and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. So this week, I want to look at perhaps one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. If you've been watching and following us the last number of weeks, you know that we've been looking at the person of Daniel. And we're going to go there again. And this is actually probably the most well-known story of Daniel as well. Now, if you don't know where I'm going, don't worry. We're going to read uh, portions of this story. But as I read this story, I, I want you not just simply to kind of take in the information, but to begin to sense how does this story make you feel? What is your emotional response? Because that's where I want to dig in this week. Because oftentimes stories uh, elicit uh, an emotional response in us. And it's in our emotions that we begin to ask the question, why? Like, why am I feeling this way? So, what's the circumstance? What's the situation? Well, we're back in the story of Daniel. Daniel is now much older in years. We started in chapter one, he was like a teenager, 15, 16. Now in chapter six, he's in his 80s. And so he has lived a long and faithful life in serving God in a rather difficult circumstance. He served under various kings and there's a new king that has come on the scene. And that's where we're going to jump in. What you notice in the story of Daniel is he rises in the ranks of the government to the places of significant power. And it's in this moment that his contemporaries become jealous. And so they try to take him down. And so they go to the king and basically make the king to issue a decree that anyone who prays to anyone other than the king will be thrown into a den of lions. And so let's jump in and see what happened. It's Daniel chapter 6, beginning with verse 4. It says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced, giving orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays or anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. It's right here that we see the deception. These contemporaries of Daniel were so jealous of him that, that, they, that they wanted to knock him down a notch. But they could find nothing in his life to criticize or to condemn him. And so they went after his faith, his relationship with God, which is interesting because they also must have realized that, that, that he would not bend away from that either. And so they go to the king, they almost trick the king and say, listen, listen, we're all in agreement, which isn't true because I'm pretty sure Daniel wouldn't have agreed to this, but that basically anyone who prays to anyone but the king will be put to death. 
And the king, almost foolishly, just signs the decree and issues it. Well, Daniel would have heard of it, and he refused. He continued to pray faithfully. And so they bring Daniel to the king. The king hears this, and, and he's somewhat overwhelmed because the king really likes Daniel, but now he realizes he's put Daniel into a difficult place. And the king can't go back and change what he has already decreed. And so Daniel is thrown into a lion's den. And it's here that we hit the climax of the story. So let's jump back in. But remember, what is your emotional response to when you hear this? Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early in the morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Story sound a bit familiar? Daniel remained faithful. He was thrown into the lion's den and the lions didn't even touch him. Unbelievable. So, back to my question. How does that story make you feel? Because this is a type of story that I'm certain will elicit different responses perhaps even different responses within you. For, for some of you, you, you may be amazed. You may be so impressed. You are inspired and think, yes, this is amazing. Here we see Daniel. He remains faithful. He trusts in God and God delivers him. This is so encouraging. For others, you may land at the emotion of, yeah, right. Maybe some of you are skeptical when you hear stories like this. You're thinking, yeah, right, come on, come on. I know about lions, I've been to the zoo, I know what happens come feeding time, and you throw a person into a den of lions that are hungry? Come on, the lions will devour them before they hit the ground. This is ridiculous. And maybe for some of you, you read stories like this or you hear stories like this and you're like, this is why I don't believe the Bible. Like this is, this is beyond natural. This is beyond believable. Okay, that's fair. Just, just hang with me. Hold that thought. For others, you may land in the, yeah, right. I believe in this story. I believe that God could do this. But I could never be like Daniel. That, that your emotional response is not one of being inspired, not one of doubt, but rather you're discouraged. You, you look at Daniel and think, man, that dude deserves the gold medal of faith. But I can't do that. I mean, heck, I, I believe in God, but 
I find it hard to even tell others that I'm a Christian. I, I get awkward when people ask me if I even go to church. To, to talk about my faith, I, I couldn't do that. And so when I see a story of Daniel, I'm like, there's no way I can be like Daniel. And you become so discouraged. And it actually forces you to step away from God, feeling a greater sense of guilt. For me, it's often like watching the Olympics. I don't know if you've been watching the Olympics, but I, I, I love it. And there's particular sports that I enjoy watching, particularly sports that I do in my life as well. For example, downhill skiing. I, I love to downhill ski, but when I watch the downhill skiers in the Olympics, I walk away thinking, are we doing the same sport? Like I go down, I make some turns. They are blazing down the hill at literally breakneck speed. They're in a class completely of their own. And perhaps at times, that's how we feel when we read stories like Daniel. We think, well, I believe in God, but I could never be like him. And then to make matters worse, you, you show up to church and you hear people like me talk about stories like Daniel and the punchline is now let's all be like Daniel and you're like, great. That's as realistic as the commentator on CBC saying, hey, Joel, get up off your couch, go over to the mountain, tear down the mountain. You can win the gold medal. And I'm like, dude, you are crazy. That isn't going to happen. And so what do we do? How do we respond to stories like this that bring a sense of skepticism or bring a place of discouragement? Because you think, there's no way I could respond like this. Just hold that emotion and begin to ask yourself the question, how can your emotions, whether good or bad, or you're not even sure what to do with, can take you in a step in a direction towards God. Because here's the reality. We can't control our emotions. You can't force a different emotional response to a story like this. If you have doubts, you have doubts. If you feel discouraged, you will feel discouraged. What you do have control over is in how you respond. Will your emotional response cause you to take a step away from God? Or will your emotional response, even though seemingly negative on the surface, allow you to take a step towards God? Let me explain. You see, I think one of the dangers of reading a story like Daniel is we reduce it to the simple moral of do good, be faithful, God will reward you. But is that the point of this story? Absolutely, we see how Daniel was faithful and God delivered him in a miraculous way. But I believe the story of Daniel points to something even greater. And I say that because the story of Daniel involves a miracle. Now, what's a, what's a, what's a miracle? If you, if you start to read through the Bible, you see different miracles that take place at different times. Miracles, my best understanding, is when God does something supernatural within the natural world. Basically, the things that are supposed to happen don't happen. So, in the example of Daniel, what's supposed to happen is when you throw a person into a den of hungry lions, the lions devour them. 
And for them to stay there the entire night and not even have a scratch on them, that is supernatural. That, that is a miracle. And miracles in the Bible always point us to something greater. Listen, God doesn't do miracles just to say, hey, ta-da, look at what I can do. Be impressed, be amazed. No, the point of miracles always, always in the Bible is to point us to something greater. And so that's a clue. And so when you see the example of Daniel being saved from the lion's den, what is the miracle that God wants to point us to? I believe it is this. The story of Daniel in the lion's den. As amazing as it is in that environment and in that context, is actually some of the greatest foreshadowing in the Old Testament to Jesus. Actually, to the foreshadowing of Jesus' death and then resurrection. You see, the story of Daniel is about hope. It's about trusting in God and believing that he is in control. And so right in the narrative, God not only shows how this happens in Daniel's life, but God has set up a scenario to point us to the ultimate miracle, the greatest hope that we have in Jesus. A little confused as to how I get there? Let's jump back into the story and start to notice the parallels between the story of Daniel and the story of Jesus. First parallel. Daniel was falsely accused. They, they couldn't find anything wrong with this guy. They looked, they thought, they, they tried to figure out, and they realized the only way to get Daniel in trouble was to trump up some ridiculous scheme. To basically go to the king, trick him, flatter him, and say, look at, look at, make, make a decree that, that if people pray, that they'll be thrown in the lion's den. That was the only way they could get to Daniel. What about Jesus? In Luke chapter 23, you see this ping pong match of Jesus. He's brought to King Herod. Herod finds no fault, sends him to Pilate. Pilate finds no fault. Jesus was falsely accused. You see that as part of the narrative. They realized that they had to trump up charges, so much so that Pilate, the, a, a, a Roman governor, would have no interest in Jesus. He said, I find no fault in this man. He even goes deliberately as washing his hands and basically saying, his blood is on you. No fault in Daniel. No fault in Jesus. Both were sentenced to be executed. Daniel was to be thrown into a lion's den. Jesus was to be crucified. And then there is this amazing parallel in verse 17. Verse 17, we, we are told that when Daniel was thrown into the den, a stone was rolled over and the king's signet was placed over it. Basically, so that no one could go and rescue Daniel, that it was a done deal. Matthew 27, following Jesus' death, he too was placed in a tomb. A stone was rolled over and Pilate's signet ring was placed on it to seal the tomb so that there could be literally no monkey business going on. Doesn't it start to amaze you? Doesn't it start to just kind of blow your mind as how incredible God is? Final, final parallel. In the morning, the king goes with great anticipation, first 
thing, wondering what has happened to Daniel. The stone is rolled away. He calls out to Daniel, and he is just amazed that Daniel is alive. It went beyond what anyone would have expected. Story of Jesus. Early in the morning, the women get up, expecting to see Jesus dead. The stone is rolled away. Jesus is not in the tomb. Jesus is alive. The story of Daniel speaks to the great theme of how God is in control. And it's because of what God has done that we can trust in him. But but Daniel, unknown to him, his life would be foreshadowing of the ultimate miracle of Jesus' death and then resurrection. The miracle that brings hope, brings assurance, can give us the greatest sense of purpose. And it's that that I hope, regardless of what your emotional response to Daniel's story is, is the takeaway for you. The story of Daniel isn't just about be good, trust in God, and he will deliver you. The story of Daniel points us to the greatest truth in life, and that is God is in control because we see it in Jesus' death and resurrection. So, with that as a backdrop, back to your emotional response. How can this as a backdrop begin to change how you respond to your emotions so that your emotions will not cause you to take a step away from God, but rather towards him? For those of you that are skeptical, for those of you that would land in the place of, yeah, right, could that actually happen? Let me phrase it a different way. Don't you want to believe in a God of miracles? Don't you want to believe in a God who can close the mouths of lions, who can raise Jesus from the grave? I mean, this is more than just good news. Don't you want it to be true news? I mean, the early church, one of the great leaders, the Apostle Paul says, listen, listen, listen. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, if that didn't actually happen, then we are all complete fools. We are still dead to our sin. That when we die, that is the end. So if you have questions, if you have doubts, will you lean into them? Will you begin to see them as a step bringing you closer to God? To say, hey, wait a second, wait a second. How can this work out in my life? Because stepping into your questions towards God can begin to bring an incredible sense transformation. What about those of you that read a story like Daniel and you're just discouraged? You're like, how could I possibly be faithful? May you see in this story as well how Daniel lived is how we are called to live, that our lives are in a response to what God has already done for us, that we too can remain faithful. Let's just be honest. Oftentimes we psych ourselves out. We, we, we jump to the end and think, well, I could, 
I could never stand up in such a way that I would allow my life to be thrown into a den of lions. Yeah, maybe that is true, but why do we go there and bring discouragement? Here is one of the great messages of being faithful to Jesus. Be faithful where God has called you. One of the greatest dangers of faithfulness is comparison. We think, well, I, I, I can't be like Daniel, or I'll never be like Daniel. Maybe not in that circumstance, but how can you be faithful? You see, one of the things I love is that there is no hierarchy in terms of what is more important when it comes to faith in God. You see, Daniel would have had the skill set to be a prophet, to be in what we'd refer to now as full-time paid ministry, like a pastor or someone who serves as a missionary or someone who serves a Christian organization. For, for some messed up reason, we think that that is more important, that is more faithful. Simply not true. God places you where he wants you, in business, in school, in retirement, at home. The question is, are you being faithful? Faithful to where God has called you. As we see in the story of Daniel, it could mean how can you be faithful even in the midst of difficulty? Maybe for some of you, you are going through a difficult place right now. How can you remain faithful? You may be uncertain of the immediate outcome, but be confident of the overall picture that God is in control. Jesus, on the night of his arrest, knowing the following day he was going to be crucified, he said a lot to his disciples, but some of his parting words are found in John 16, 33. He says this, In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. Today, let me ask you, in the midst of wherever you are, in the midst of whatever you are dealing with, could be difficulty, could be discouragement, it could be skepticism and doubt. How can you take a step closer to Jesus? Because when you do, you too are being faithful. Let's pray together. Lord God, we give thanks this day. I pray, Jesus, that the story of Daniel would not overwhelm us, but encourage us by pointing us first to you reminding us again of the incredible message of Daniel is seen ultimately, Jesus, in your death and your resurrection. I pray for those that are struggling with questions and skepticism. May you continue to bring clarity. May you continue to bring people into their lives that can help them in this journey. May they take a step closer to you. I pray for those that are discouraged, perhaps are feeling overwhelmed. And when they hear a story like Daniel in the lion's den, it's just like piling on even more. May you encourage them. May you strengthen them so that they can be faithful to you where you have placed them this day. We thank you, Jesus, 
for your life, your death, your resurrection. It gives us hope. It gives us purpose. And so, Jesus, it's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. And so now may the blessing and love of God the Father Almighty, the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the peace, the comfort, and the, of the Holy Spirit, not only be with you, but enable you to be faithful this day in following Jesus. Amen. Hashtag for Paris. Our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 10.30 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.